0: This is the InFocus Podcast from The Hindu.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to The Hindu's In InFocus Podcast. I'm Zubeda and I'm your host for today. On March 1st, India launched the second phase of its COVID 19 vaccination program, targeting 27 million citizens above the age of 60 and those above 45 with comorbidities. Looking back, how did the country perform in phase one of its vaccination drive that was launched in January for healthcare and frontline workers? With the country seeing a surge in cases after a few months of a decrease in numbers, do we need to accelerate the pace of our vaccine coverage? To speak to us about this and more, we have with us today Dr. K. Srinath Reddy, President, Public Health Foundation of India. Good afternoon, Dr. Srinath Reddy, and welcome to the Hindus in Focus podcast.
0: Good afternoon. On
1: March 1st, India launched the second phase of its COVID 19 vaccination program targeting 27 million citizens above the age of 60 and those above 45 with comorbidities. Looking back, how did the country perform in phase one of its vaccination drive? Were the targets that were set out for it met?
0: Well, I think the phase one was reasonable in terms of uh, setting in motion the program with partial coverage of the initially targeted group, which was the healthcare workers and the other essential workers. Perhaps not all the people who were meant to be covered were covered. Secondly, also to ensure that the software that was developed essentially for managing the entire process was functioning without glitches. And people were going to be both educated about the process and motivated to accept the vaccine. Some of these objectives succeeded But the level of coverage of health workers remained suboptimal because of vaccine hesitancy in a number of places. This, I believe, was because of two reasons. Firstly, the threat perception had diminished quite a lot by that time because the cases had come down, the deaths, the hospitalization, and even the test positivity rate. Right, and that led to many people not wanting to take the vaccine. Secondly, there was also a hesitancy created by some confusion about the efficacy of the vaccines, particularly about one vaccine which was given the regulatory approval without completion of the phase three trial, and then a bit of an ugly spat between the manufacturing companies of the two vaccines, which was quickly settled, but nevertheless, did play upon the public mind as to the efficacy of the vaccines. So these I think affected the initial response but at least the learnings from that have now gone into the second uh, phase where now we have opened up not only to the essential workers uh, but to people in the vulnerable category of the population.
1: Doctor, you said vaccine hesitancy is one of the reasons that it was suboptimal the first phase uh, on February 13th, which was the 28th day since the first vaccines were taken, only about 1 in 10 healthcare workers took the second dose. Could you talk to us about possible reasons for this and how can the program tackle it to ensure that every individual gets both doses?
0: Well, firstly, it's not absolutely essential that on the dot, on day 28, everybody must take the vaccines. Right. It can be even a couple of weeks later. And we must also recognize that uh, there has been considerable amount of speculation in the media in the meanwhile, that delaying the second dose could actually possibly give a better immune response. Uh, This is the news based upon the AstraZeneca experience from the United Kingdom. And even the WHO had given a clearance to AstraZeneca saying that you can actually have your second dose eight to 12 weeks after the first dose. Mm -hmm. I think some of that affected the people and uh, secondly, I think uh, the initial hesitation among the healthcare workers was not fully overcome, but I believe now that it's opened up to the general public, even those healthcare workers who were hesitant in the beginning are now becoming more convinced that they must get their shots.
1: Doctor, the ICMR recently said that the pace of vaccinations was deliberately kept slow because the health ministry wanted to take stock of the hiccups and gradually iron them out. Is this the only reason that the first phase coverage targets weren't met? And is it justified to continue to keep it slow even with cases now rising in India?
0: Well, I do not know exactly what the health ministry thought of and whether it was a deliberate intent because I know that there was a certain amount of concern expressed by people like Professor Vinod Paul and others uh, that some of the health workers were declining to get vaccinated and uh, they were being urged to get vaccinated. However, the fact is, if you look at the vaccination centres, initially there were 10,000 vaccination centres in the public sector, and 2,000 in the private sector. Mm -hmm. By the time the various centers were tested and the software was tested, uh, I think confidence has grown now that they can actually expand the program. And now about 20,000 private uh, centers are being permitted to provide the vaccination apart from the 10,000 in the public sector. So to that extent, there's a definite scale-up. Whether that was a very deliberative decision, I cannot really say, but obviously proceeding in stages gives you an opportunity to test your system and make sure that the glitches are corrected, as well as it gives you time to establish the desired partnership with the private sector and see whether that is functioning reasonably well or not. However, it's time now that we really step on the accelerator.
1: Doctor, are we uh, wasting any vaccines? There are reports that some vaccines were unused in a few states. Is there a permissible wastage limit for vaccines? Are we well within the limits for it?
0: I do not know exactly what the data are related to the vaccine wastage. Ideally, there should not be any wastage whatsoever. And uh, certainly in the initial calculations, I think about 10% wastage was estimated as a possibility, uh, but we should not cross that limit and certainly avoid even that because these are precious assets for protecting the people. Uh, However, it is also true that in some cases where people didn't turn up, either for the initial appointment or for the second appointment, some of the hospitals have actually extended the facility to people uh, who were not on the appointments list trying to ensure that the vaccines are being utilized. But still, you cannot, in the last minute, make sure that the deficit is covered. But now I understand, at least in the second phase, there is a huge lineup for vaccines. And I do not think there should be a problem of vaccine hesitancy affecting either the response rates or the vaccine wastage issue.
1: You spoke about the need for acceleration, Doctor. Uh, Last year, the union health minister had said that we wanted to cover 200 million people by July 2021 with the vaccine. To meet that target, we need to administer about 2.44 million doses per day in the rest of the days until July. But the first phase averaged only about 0.3 million doses per day. So is how crucial is the success of this second phase? Because it comes in the midst of a resurgence of infections in several states.
0: Well, let's hope that we will be able to accelerate and really pick up the rate and expand the immunization fast enough to cover as much of that initial target that was set, even if we do not reach that target fully. The purpose of the immunization program is essentially to cover the people who are most vulnerable as well as the people who are performing the most essential functions. If we attain that target as well as we must, then at least that gives us a relief that the remaining population can be covered a little more slowly. Ideally, yes, even they should be covered faster. But with more centers opening up for vaccination and possibility of more vaccines being available in the supply chain in the next couple of months, I think we ought to be able to pick up speed. Uh, But the initial focus must still be on protecting the vulnerable now. Because the main purpose of vaccination is to prevent severe disease and death.
1: So do we need to open up the program to more beneficiaries?
0: Well, uh, at least we are now looking at the 60 plus. We should come down the age groups. And then, of course, those with comorbidities already certified are already being covered. Though some of the people with comorbidities may not be aware of their status and may be missed. And Mm -hmm. we certainly must ensure that we come down to the lower age groups from 60 to 50 and uh, 50 to even 45 or lower so that we can quickly cover those with known comorbidities as well as unknown comorbidities based on the age uh, profile, which makes it likely that they have uh, these associated health conditions. Certainly, we must speed up the process so that we cover uh, as many of them as possible. And obviously, having more centers helps.
1: How has the COVID platform been functioning, Doctor? That is, there are reports of its performance being patchy at some points.
0: I've heard uh, different uh, views. I've heard some complaints, most certainly. And I've heard uh, some people saying that it functioned magically well. Uh, Mr. (laughs) Shekhar Gupta, the um, chief of print, uh, he basically... Said that it perfectly well uh, worked perfectly well for him. So I do not know. There are some people who have actually complained that it did not work very well. Uh, But some of them actually went to walk in centers and got it done there without any difficulty. But I think the glitches, if there are, are being addressed. So let us hope uh, that the numbers will rise further without people feeling inconvenience because of the software issues. But having a walk-in facility is also helpful.
1: Should it be made all walk-in then?
0: Uh, Not necessary, because if you have all walk-in, then you're going to have a huge uncontrolled crowd. So having appointments is good, but having an additional walk-in facility means that even if your appointees are not turning up, you still have people who can be given the facility. And people who have had problems with their software can go there and get registered on the spot.
1: Are we expecting a significant uptick in the number of persons vaccinated over this phase, Doctor?
0: Well, uh, the people who have registered seem to be very large, according to media a reports. Number, yes. If all, yes. If all of them uh, do turn up, then we certainly must see a larger number of people getting vaccinated. And I think uh, the visibility that's now being given with uh, uh, political leaders and celebrities getting immunized right. also gives the people the confidence and a bit of impetus to go and get uh, themselves vaccinated. But certainly in urban areas, uh, the elderly are lining up because they recognize that they're vulnerable, at least those who are aware of the situation. Their children are actually uh, motivating the elderly people to go and get immunized. But we must make sure that the people who are not as health literate as some of the others or who do not have access to smartphones are also reached. They should not pay the penalty uh, for low levels of health literacy that makes them unaware of the need to get vaccinated and, uh, or the difficulty they are facing with technology. So having community volunteers helping to identify such people and assist such people is going to be very, very important.
1: Will we be able to give everyone the second dose as well, doctor? Will there be any logistical problems with that, especially in the rural parts of the country?
0: Well, uh, I believe we ought to make the arrangements. And if we do have the vaccines being administered in easy to access primary health care centres or community centres, It should not be terribly difficult uh, to give by way of uh, getting the vaccines to reach the place. It's only the question of motivating the people and assembling the people and ensuring that uh, the lists are being properly adhered to. Uh, Those are some Mm -hmm. of the challenges that come come up. Uh, We'll have to wait and see how it functions in the rural areas because right now we are getting reports mostly from the urban areas. We'll have to wait and see how it's actually faring in the rural areas.
1: Doctor, about vaccine purchase and delivery, should the pathway to an open vaccine market, should it be laid out at this stage or should it continue to be under the central government?
0: Well, I do not believe that the open market by way of being sold in pharmacies uh, or uh, even if their pharmacies are of big hospitals is the right policy because Mm -hmm. it should definitely be targeted first to the people who need it most. And there is a public health prioritization process there uh, on ground of essentiality and second, on the ground of vulnerability. Unless we attend to all of those people, we really should not really start leaving it to the open market forces, because that can actually detract from the principal public objectives. Now, who are essential? You can redefine that. I mean, for example, I believe that school teachers are important, all school personnel are important including drivers of school buses, even the people who work in the school as staff members, other than teachers, all of them are important because we have to get the children back to school. The transport workers are all important, uh, public transport in particular. So all of that becomes important. So you can expand your list of essentiality. You can expand your list of vulnerability. But those two must be the guiding criteria initially. It is only then you can deviate from that. But to put it out in the open private market means there is a perverse incentive for the vaccine manufacturers or even the private uh, hospitals going entirely into market force driven uh, process.
1: But at the moment, even states and the private sector are not allowed to purchase directly.
0: Obviously, the central government is monitoring the supply position and the supplies Mm -hmm. are still In in a sense, not not inadequate, but not abundant. It's possible that we'll get more vaccines, both manufactured in India as well as possibly, uh, I mean, uh, those that are uh, developed in India and manufactured in India as well as licensed for manufacture in India. So, Mm -hmm. if our supply chain actually becomes larger with more vaccines coming up in the next two or three months, then it is possible that we may look at other ways of expanding the coverage. But till we actually fulfill these two criteria of essentiality and vulnerability, which are the principal target groups, I don't think we should really look at an open market exercise, particularly with the threat of mutants coming in. It's absolutely important that these two groups must be protected to the maximum.
1: Doctor, you talked about expanding the list of essentiality. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? You mentioned school teachers, if we have uh, restaurant workers, delivery personnel, all of them as well, right?
0: Yes, I would say so. I mean, uh, what uh, is absolutely essential for a society to function uh, it can be determined on basis of priorities. First, we said healthcare workers, municipal mm-hmm. workers, security forces. But certainly people who are running public transport, for example, the drivers and others, they are essential. There's no dispute about that. I believe school teachers are essential. There's no dispute about that because we cannot allow our children to be deprived of education and be entirely digitally dependent with a growing digital divide in access to education. So we ought to really define all of these categories, but you have to start somewhere. And the, somewhere was with health workers. Now we can move on and start defining more categories. Dr., what
1: is your view on the price cap of the 250 rupees per dose?
0: I believe that it's absolutely appropriate because if the government is supplying the vaccine and all that the private sector should be looking for is the overhead charge of running that establishment with the, the personnel, the nurses and the doctors, Mm-hmm. those are involved in the process, it's not a profit-making exercise. It is a public health function. So we all have to be in it together. And the private sector, many of them have said that they don't need extras. Some have said, yes, there should be a markup. But I believe that the minimal cost should be really charged. And in any case, taking the broader view, uh, in a epidemic situation, vaccination is a public good. That's what the economists call it. And when it's a public good, it should be supported by public financing. Right. Okay. In the government hospitals, it's happening anyway. In the yes. private hospitals, if the government supplies it free, then there should be only a minimal overcharge uh, for whatever are the establishment costs of the private hospital. So, I don't think it should be an exercise where profit becomes the main consideration.
1: Doctor, after seeing a slump for a few months, there has been a slight surge in cases again. Why do you think this is happening?
0: Well, firstly, I think there has been a considerable amount of mobility in the population with not as much attention to other public health precautions like wearing masks or wearing them properly or keeping a certain amount of physical distancing, avoiding crowded events, the kind of discipline that is required in terms of protection against virus transmission, that has not been maintained, partly because there was a feeling that the epidemic has virtually faded in India. And there was also repeated speculation about herd immunity, which. Frankly, I do not think we are close to herd immunity by any uh, standard, and the, both of these uh, reasons made people feel that there is no further need to observe these precautions, and that gave the virus a free reign. Whether the arrival of the mutants also has uh, contributed to the fact uh, to this process, I really cannot say at this point in time, unless a large number of genomic tests are done, we cannot really find out how many of the new infections are essentially because of the mutants. They may be contributing, but at the moment, I would put uh, the main cause as a considerable amount of uh, relaxation of our public health measures.
1: Doctor, you spoke to us about one of the possible reasons in the surge of cases that could be mutant strains. How well are we doing with genomic sequencing and identifying the various strains that could be out there?
0: I believe we have had the capacity, but mostly in research labs in the past. Mm -hmm. And that was not really mobilized to do a study in a systematic fashion till December. Once in the United Kingdom, the announcement was made that the mutant that they had identified even as far back as September B one one seven was now responsible for a big surge, and possibly had about seventy percent higher infectivity rate. Then suddenly the world took notice and became alarmed, and then of course we had the Brazilian uh, mutant and uh, uh, other other mutants also coming in uh, from different parts. uh, South Africa in particular being worrisome because of its not only higher infectivity, but apparently it also has a vaccine escape property in which it's not being adequately affected by the vaccines that have been developed against the COVID virus. And therefore, in December, India assembled a huge consortium of laboratories in different public and private institutions who are actively collaborating to study uh, the genomic uh, characterization of various uh, isolated viruses from the cases that are coming in now? What percentage of cases are to be studied? Well, there are countries which have studied more than 10%, even up to 12%. The countries, uh, particularly uh, like Denmark, has had. A huge number of cases studied um, with a high genomic uh, identification. Uh, UK has stepped up the process. The United States has lagged behind. Now they're stepping up their process. But India has also ramped up its process. And now we are now increasingly studying more and more cases for their uh, genomic characteristics. And uh, therefore, we are, I believe, better able to identify the mutants as they're emerging or spreading.
1: Doctor, one last question before we sign up. What can the government do to incre- to ensure that more people come forward to get vaccinated? What, in terms of communication, can they do to build confidence?
0: I believe communication is most effective when it is not only being beamed out through mass media, which are very important, of course, as channels of uh, broad reach, but also through community networks because people's beliefs are considerably influenced by what their friends and neighbors think and all the fears and anxieties are shared in those community groups. Resistance is built up because of false news and propaganda in those community groups. So you do need to reach out to people who are influencers in the community, whoever they are. Whether it's women's self-help groups or community-based organizations or local political leaders or local religious leaders, it is absolutely important. Youth groups, women's groups, you have to definitely engage the people, whether it's an urban resident welfare association, whatever it is, because most of the misconceptions are usually spread and shared at the level of the community. And therefore, vaccine confidence must be built up at the level of the community. Usually, those conversations take place among neighbors, among resident welfare associations, among friends, among women's groups, among youth groups. It is there we must reach to find out the influential voices within those groups and try and get them to have the conversation on the vaccines the more the conversation within the community groups, the less likelihood of misconceptions getting spread and rooted. So I believe we need both the uh, top-down mass media approach of uh, governments as well as other organizations trying to beam uh, messages of vaccine confidence, but at the same time to have the conversation going on on a regular basis at the level of the community is going to be absolutely critical uh, for building up that vaccine confidence and getting more people to get immunized. Even things like, how do you register? How can people be helped if they do not have smartphones? All of these are problems that can be sorted out at the community level.
1: Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Doctor.
0: Most welcome. Uh, Thank you very much. We need media uh, to really spread the message, allay anxieties, build confidence, and ultimately build the collective strength of society to overcome this pandemic in the shortest possible time. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Doctor. Goodbye.
0: In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by the Hindu. We'll see you soon.